How much time is left? I asked, eagerly leaning around the chair in front of me, trying to see the GPS. An hour. Calm down, Gio replied. I rolled my eyes and leaned back in my chair. It's fair for me to be excited for this trip. We've been waiting for snowboarding season for so long. This was the first time in a year that we've all been together during our favorite holiday. I peered into the rearview mirror to look at our driver, Warren. Warren was the best in the West. He's been approached about sponsorships, if he were to compete. However, he always denies in favor of doing it for fun and with his friends. Gio in the passenger seat, he was a great snowboarder, but he was probably the worst out of all of us. Granted, that's not saying much considering we're all close in skill. Next to me was Toby, and he had been asleep for the majority of the ride. There was gear piled all throughout the car, so none of us were sitting very comfortably. The fact that Toby was sleeping was, well, incredible. I shifted so I could reach my phone in my pocket and open it up. I had no service at this point in the drive, so I just sighed and tried to get comfortable. Gio had selected a new playlist, but the songs were one that I did not recognize. They seemed to be slower versions of lo-fi songs. Kind of gave me the creeps. I chose to ignore it and just let my eyes rest. I listened to the melancholy beat and the steady humming of the car. For a while, I could feel myself drifting to sleep. It felt as though Warren made a sharp right turn. I slid a bit in my chair and readjusted. A few moments later, he made a left turn. My blind mind could not make out the route he was taking up the mountain, so I rubbed my eyes and leaned on my arm to look around Gio's chair. Whoa, Gio mumbled. Three of us were entranced by the road ahead. We were taking a different path up the mountain this trip, coming in from the opposite side as usual. The sight ahead of us was trees. They were giant trees that we had expected to find, but at night, they looked ominous and alive. I could have sworn and I saw something reflective following to the right of the car. I chalked it up down to the reflection of the headlights and how they were positioned. But still, that didn't put my nerves at ease. Warren's knuckles had gone white on the steering wheel, likely also feeling the negative atmosphere. I took a shaky breath and continued to stare straight ahead. I could still feel the hairs standing on end, alert. Any small shift to Toby next to me made me want to jump. That's when I realized just how scared I really was. We are usually big fans of horror. Something about the adrenaline is just fun for us. This is likely why we love the thrill of snowboarding as well. This, however, well, this was a different feeling. This wasn't an experience that had me on the edge of my seat in horror. It was spine-chilling and very uncomfortable. I was overly aware of the air thinning as we made our way up the mountain, taking short, shallow breaths. I reached over the middle console to poke Toby. He groaned and shifted in his seat, but I poked him again until he woke up. 
He rubbed his eyes and looked at me, mouth open to complain, but stopped when he saw my expression. He turned to look at the front, and I saw him visibly shut down, sitting more rigid and his eyes narrowed to try to make out the forest ahead of us. I turned my attention back to the front of the car, feeling safer if I could see ahead of us. The music gave me the impression that we were in the horror movies that we would watch. Small specks began to drop from the sky, and I heard Warren let out a deep breath and lean back in his chair. It had begun to snow. I saw Toby check his phone, but drove it angrily in his pocket after a moment. That's right, we didn't have service. There's nobody to call if we crash or if the car breaks down. It seemed that Warren had the same thought, speeding up a bit once we hit any straightaway. I peered through the hole in the gear to see if there was any cars behind us. To my dismay, there weren't. Turning back around, I saw an incline. We began to speed up, much more than before. To our right, was forest, as dense and terrifying as it had been the entire ride. To the left, though, the forest had fallen off, and it was a straight drop into darkness. My heart dropped into my stomach when I felt Warren press the brakes slightly. The tires locked up a bit, and the car began to drift left. It turned until it had made a 90-degree turn. We had stopped, but we were facing the cliff. The music had slowed down and was now glitching in and out, an effect of Gio's phone beginning to die. Just shut off the damn music, Gio, Warren snapped, not turning his gaze from the scene in front of us. The music was shut off moments after, and I felt as though I came down from a high. The adrenaline from the turn had all of us audibly breathing hard, eyes wide in fear. Just as Warren went to put the car in reverse, the engine shut off. Not only the engine, but the entire car seemed to shut down, the lights inside flicking off suddenly. We were stuck. I dared to turn and look up the road at the forest, and I felt the eeriness in the air. I don't know why, but I felt a draw toward that forest. If I looked long enough, I could have sworn that I could have seen something staring back at me. I kept my eyes locked in that spot. The more I watched, the deeper the pull was. I tugged on the lock and unlocked my door. I felt my friend's eyes on me as I opened the door. Immediately, I was hit with little snowflakes and a burst of frozen air. I shuddered and took a step out of the car. I let out a little breath to see the heat dissipate into the air. My heartbeat had calmed. Something about whatever was in those trees had put me at ease when nothing else could. Gio had panicked when he was looking at me and got out of the car. He seemed lost for words, but when I pointed out where my gaze was, it seemed that he understood. We began to hike up the icy road, allowing the snow to build on our jackets and beanies. Two more car doors slammed, and only moments later we found our friends matching our strides. We all had our gaze set on that forest. 
It was a tricky walk up the hill, trying not to fall, but also setting a quick enough pace. As we approached, we were able to see more clearly. The outline of trees were disappearing as we got closer, making the forest look much more open than it had been as we drove by it. I felt the need to turn and check to see if any cars were coming. However, it was impossible to turn my head. The more I strained to turn my head, the weaker I felt. I couldn't speak. My eyes were plastered open and fully trained on the glowing orbs that had caused this situation. Had they caused it, I let my brain wander as my body walked on autopilot. Why did our cars spin out and shut down? We'd driven up this mountain time and time again. It had been perfect weather or a torrent of rain, but Warren had never lost control of the car before. I flicked my gaze toward Warren without turning my head. His mouth was wide open as he panted. His breath came out in little clouds and the wind would swiftly blow it away. Looking forward again, I noticed that the yellow orbs had moved. They had gone deeper into the forest now, likely to avoid us seeing what they were connected to. I then felt the harsh cold lash against my face and I flinched. Flinching seemed to make the difference. I was able to regain control of my body, stumbling back and blinking furiously. I dusted the snow off my head and jacket, and I marched up to Geo and grabbed his arm to stop him, but his reaction was just to rip himself from my grip, and panic washed over me. I looked toward where the orbs had been, and in place of them was a creature... The blood rushed to my head and I felt dizzy. The creature was huge, at least half the size of the tree it stood next to, and it had craned its neck low to make eye contact with us all. Its eyes were yellow and bright. Its mouth was open, sharp black teeth jutting out from its lower jaw, saliva dripping onto the ground as it watched us all approach. Adrenaline heated me up instantly, kicking my brain into fight-or-flight mode. Usually, I would choose fight, but in this situation, it seemed I was the only one conscious enough to make a decision. I tried again to pull Geo back down the hill with me, but was unsuccessful. The creature's large feet had grotesque claws. Slowly, it made a step towards us. I could see the dried blood that had stuck to its body. A bubble formed in my throat, rendering my voice useless. I couldn't scream. I couldn't call for help. And now the creature had approached close enough to be standing right on the cusp of the forest and the street. We were only about 30 feet from it now. I tried to stand in front of my friends, but they were just trudging through me. My hand shook. My eyes were blown wide, and I could only take shallow breaths. I heard a cough and looked over to Toby. He had stopped walking, looking just as I had when my brain dropped the illusion. He looked around and walked up to me, opening his mouth to talk, and then I quickly took my hand and covered his mouth. He looked at me with confusion, and then I gestured toward the creature. I could see his life flash before his eyes, 
He fell to the ground with tears brimming in his eyes. The creature, while being extremely threatening, seemed to be blind. Its oval ears were pointed towards us intently, twitching whenever a foreign noise occurred. Toby took a moment before he had recovered, began to follow me as I tried to snap our other friends out of their fantasy. The creature entranced them like a siren. It made the imminent demise feel as though it would be a saving grace. The positive energy the creature could mimic was terrifying. Warren and Geo had only about ten more steps before they would be face to face with the creature. Toby and I tried our best to stop them, but they possessed inhuman strength. Stopping directly in front of the giant monster, they turned their heads to look up at it. And I knew I had to do something. Finally finding my voice, I shouted at them. It was a mistake. Stop! I screamed. The creature perked up at that, looking at the direction of my voice and footsteps as I sprinted up to my friends and tackled them to the ground. I felt my head hit the pavement and things went fuzzy for a moment. I heard the roar of the monster before things went black. Gasping, I sat upright. I passed out. I was in the car, sitting in my respective seat. The car had turned to face the cliff just as it was before. It was still off, but my friends were all sitting in their seats. It was a insane dream. Reaching into my pocket, I tried to see if my phone was able to call anyone. We were going to need a tow truck for sure, if our battery died. I rolled my eyes when I saw that I didn't have service. Doubtful that anyone would even be able to get us for a while, even if I could reach them. Cursing under my breath, I felt as though I should check on my friends. If they were as shaken by the spin-out as I was, then we need a moment before deciding what to do. I leaned forward to tap Geo on the shoulder. Toby looked as if he were still sleeping. I tapped him lightly, but he didn't respond. I tapped him a bit harder and unbuckled my seatbelt to take a look at him. My heart must have stopped. I recoiled in disgust. Geo's face was torn off. In its place was a mass of black liquid. Looking over at Warren, he was in a similar state. My heart rate began to quicken, and tears brimmed in the corners of my eyes. I flung back into my seat and quickly remembered that Tony had been shaken out of the daze as much as I had been in my dream. He surely had to be okay. I then reached over the middle of the seat to shake his leg. His head fell back, and I noticed the stickiness on his clothes. He was soaked in his own blood, his neck dripping from where it had been sliced. I froze. Why was I still alive? And then I felt the car move a bit. That's when I noticed that my window was down. The cold was seeping into the car. The back of my neck was warm. And something was breathing on it. I didn't dare turn around. 
I could hear a small whispering at the end of each breath as I continued to pretend I was checking on Toby. I remembered that I had a knife in my bag. I slowly reached to the floorboards and tried to unzip my bag as silently as possible. I inched toward Toby, eager to get away from the window, and as I was doing so, I felt around in my bag. It was much too dark to see anything in there. It was barely light enough to see Toby in front of me, and finally feeling the handle of the knife. I slowly took it out and leaned back toward the window. I slowly shut my eyes as I felt thick liquid drip down the back of my neck. Quickly, I turned around with the knife, ready to plunge it in into this monstrous creature. The moment I turned, there was nothing there. I reached around to the back of my neck, and I felt nothing. Was I going crazy? I turned back toward Toby, and there it was. Its head had reached through the window, and its teeth were glistening in the moonlight saliva dripping off of them. I quickly shoved myself back until I hit the door. I tried to reach for the handle behind me, but it wouldn't open. Turning around to unlock the door, I was met with another creature. It was the same as the first. Sunken yellow eyes, saliva dripping from its teeth. Massive, eight feet tall, no nose, Scraggly hair coming from its human-shaped head. My mind blanked, and I slowly crawled to the middle and up to the front of the car. That's when I saw them. Those dense trees weren't trees at all. They were all walking toward me with heavy footsteps and making the ground shake. I stayed dead still, my panic and anxiety overwhelming me. Until I passed out. Son? You alright? Was the first thing I heard as I came to. I was in the middle of the car, laying out on the armrest between the driver's seat and the passenger seat. My knife still in hand. Son? Put that knife down. I can make out the ranger yelling at me with his gun drawn. I dropped the knife. Now you slowly come out of the car. I backed myself up into the back seat, and I slowly opened the door to the car. The ranger grabbed me and pat me down, and asked what had happened. Then I noticed our vehicle. We had struck the guardrail, and my three friends were thrown out of it in the crash. Geo and Warren were somewhere down the cliff, and Toby was laying dead twenty feet near the forest. I was lucky to be alive, I guess. I think all that gear we had inside the car saved me from being expelled as well. I told the ranger everything. About the yellow eyes, the trees coming to life. Toby, Geo, and Warren. However, nobody believed my story. No idea whether or not those beings from the woods were real. Or, it was just a figment of my dreams.